0: What is up and welcome into the Locked on Chargers podcast. I'm your host Daniel Wade joined as always by my co-host David Drogemeyer. and this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football but instead of entering the NFL they will join another league the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Before we get started, we are two riders who got us start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, where we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly on Facebook. And this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Alright guys, well welcome back. Thank you to all the new listeners checking us out for the first time today and thank you to all of our loyal fans for coming back and listening to today's episode. We have a ton to get into. Of course, we have to start with some bad news for the Chargers as another premier defender goes down for the team with some bad news on Chris Harris Jr. And then we'll also get into Anthony Lynn being a little bit more complimentary of Justin Herbert this week as opposed to he's a backup for a reason but in the second segment we're going to be getting into some of daniel popper's five observations from the Panthers game, including, you know, turnovers and some of the stuff we talked about yesterday. We'll get a little bit more into that and some of the other mistakes that were made there. But then at the end of the show, we're going to be getting into some voicemails. We definitely had a good week of you guys calling in and we might even get into some tomorrow for the voicemails. But today we're going to be getting into some post-game reactions and also talk about some of the bad calls by officiating and much more in the voicemail segment. But let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday, the Los Angeles Chargers got some more bad news on the defensive side of the ball when they found out that Chris Harris Jr. is going to be out for a while. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. Chris Harris Jr., the cornerback from the Denver Broncos, was one of the Chargers' most prized offseason acquisitions, coming over from the Broncos on a pretty reasonable deal To join a Chargers secondary that was very talented and now another piece of that secondary is going down because Ian Rappaport reported that Chargers cornerback Chris Harris Jr. suffered a foot injury in the team's loss to the Panthers that is expected to keep him out at least a month and potentially six weeks. This is another devastating blow for the Chargers defense that has already been reeling a little bit and even though it was only three games for Harris Jr. so far, he played well and fit well into this Chargers secondary and now... David, the Chargers have to adjust again, losing another top-flight player.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a tough one for them to swallow, but unfortunately the Chargers have experienced a lot of loss to injury this season with Derwin James, Drew Tranquil, Melvin Ingram, Mike Pouncey, Justin Jones, now Chris Harris Jr. presumably going to be put on IR and going to be missing significant time. But that means when someone goes down with injury, another person is going to be presented with an opportunity, and for the Chargers, that's more than likely going to be Desmond King. After the Chiefs game, Desmond King complained about his playing time, and it seemed to have an effect on his playing time in this game against the Panthers, as he only played on 33% of the team's defensive snaps, and this was the second time he was under 50 snaps in an NFL game in his career. He also was not on punt returns either, as that was K. J hill taking those responsibilities but this injury is going to give desmond king another opportunity to go back in the slot and show what he's capable of doing he had a down year had a good year now he has another opportunity to show what he can do
0: in that position and the chargers will have to hope that he can regroup some of the ability that helped him become an all pro at that position in 2018 which is something that is not easy to do. And you talk about depth. It is so important to have somebody as capable as him be able to step up into a starting role like that, even if he has been in uneven odds with the team. And you have to wonder if that punt returning duty was taken after having it the first two weeks. He says something on social media. Then week three, he isn't out there and really isn't out there for a lot of the defensive snaps either. But now the Chargers are really hurting for depth because Now, not only is their safety group really thin as King moves now to a corner instead of being a depth piece at at safety, now the Chargers are thin at both of those positions. The Chargers also had a press conference on Monday, and Anthony Lynn got to address the media after the tough loss, and last week he took some heat for being a little bit uncomplimentary of quarterback Justin Herbert, who was going into his first start last week. And this week, David, it seemed like he took it a little bit easier on him and had
1: some nicer things to say. He definitely did have some better things to say about Justin Herbert, and one of the first questions that uh, he was asked during his press conference was if he felt that Justin had proved to him enough that he is ready to play in this league. And Anthony Lynn said that we wouldn't have taken him at six if we didn't think he could lead this team and play in this league. I promise you that. When asked about his play and, and how he looked, he was very complimentary. He said that he felt like Justin Herbert was growing every single game. He had and he saw some special things from Herbert. He also showed some great poise with no timeouts, and he got his team in a great position to potentially win the game. I thought Justin Herbert made some great throws. I thought he was phenomenal on third down, and he definitely did everything he could in his power to put his team in the best position to succeed, regardless of the time management that was put in play in that fourth quarter. Justin Herbert definitely has the goods, Daniel, and I think no matter who is the starting quarterback this year, he's definitely going to be in the cards for many years to come for the Chargers organization.
0: Yeah, and another thing that has happened this week is before the game against the Panthers, Adam Schefter had reported that Tyrod Taylor was going to be out against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week four, and Anthony Lynn really disputed that today when he said there has been no decision made on his availability for this weekend's game but he did take a little bit different route when asked who was going to start saying that he first needs to get tyrod taylor healthy and then he can make decisions like that so not quite as steadfast as as soon as he's back he is going to be our starter but the charges are definitely banged up so they're going to need justin herbert to be really special going forward if this team really wants to compete the rest of the season and get their season back on track But we do have two more segments to get into, we're going to get into five observations From the game against the Panthers from Daniel Popper before getting into some fan voicemails. But first, I need to tell you guys that if there are any auto parts that you need, there's only still one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. With the ever increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's now impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating tasks of going in there and trying to find the part that you need when you have a way bigger inventory at rockauto.com? And unlike those traditional chain storefronts, they're gonna send the part that you need right to your house. And the best part is is you know you are going to get the same price because whether you're a mechanic or just a daily driver, nobody is going to beat the prices of rockauto.com. And right now, all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all of the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Alright, well, we ended up doing the what went right and what went wrong as well as the game recap yesterday so that John Kegley could get on that show to talk about those things. But today, we had a little bit of space and I saw an article by Daniel Popper coming away with five observations after the game against the Carolina Panthers. And I think all of these things are things that are going to be very pivotal for the Chargers, not only this season, but going forward and the Anthony Lynn Aaron and some things that definitely have to be fixed. And let's start with number one. His number one observation was the turnovers lost the Chargers the game. He he notes that the Chargers had 436 yards of offense, converted 10 of their 15 third downs, held Carolina to 3 of 12 on third down conversions, and also scored on 67% of their red zone trips, which is something that Anthony Lynn basically echoed in his press conference again today too. I mean, he said they played very well, but David, then came the turnovers. It was won by Justin Herbert that I don't think really was a turnover, and we'll get into more into that during the voicemail segment. But the Joshua Kelly play that ends up turning into a field goal for the Panthers. Then there's the interception that almost gets taken back for six against the Chargers as well. So obviously, when you look at this game, the stats are so uneven, and the turnovers are really the only thing that stands out Is the one thing the
1: Chargers did very bad on Sunday. Oh, it was absolutely terrible, Daniel. I mean, they gave up 13 points off of turnovers. I mean, that just goes to show you right there, if they don't turn the ball over, they win this football game, just plain and simple. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. And also, they didn't force any turnovers on defense as well. I mean, that's another thing that Anthony Lynn was peppered with a lot of questions about you know, hey, is this scheme related? Is it these guys just not executing? Can you teach them to take the football away? Right now, they have a negative three turnover differential, and I know that's one thing that drive that is driving Anthony Lynn insane. He has harped on it over and over and over again. And, Daniel, they need to clean this up if they're going to put this football team in better positions to win games going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, Popper also notes in this that in 2019, the Chargers had the least takeaways in the league with 14, and now it's the third worst in the league through three games a season. The only two turnovers came week one against the Bengals and rookie quarterback Joe Burrow, so they really haven't been able to stick true to their word saying that they were going to be more aggressive and get those turnovers, but... As he mentions in the second observation, mistakes weren't limited to the turnovers, and obviously that really hurt the Chargers. The field position game was terrible for them all day long, but what he also talks about on this is the Jerry Tillery play, where he's out of position, and the Chargers end up giving an extra three points to the Panthers because they get a free set of downs, and the next play ends up being a screen pass for a touchdown That's absolutely brutal. You had three offensive line red zone penalties. And we talk about, I mean, the Chargers red zone struggles have been very bad. But in this game, they were two for three. But one of them should have really been disrupted by an offensive lineman penalty. And the other one absolutely cost the Chargers a chance at seven points on that drive. So this combined with the clock management in the fourth quarter, I mean, turnovers obviously killer, but it was the other little details, too, that really hurt the chances as well for the Chargers to win this game.
1: Yeah, and the tillery thing about lining over the snapper, Anthony Lynn basically said, "Hey, the player knows better." I mean, that's something that can't happen. And the pre-snap penalties is something he cannot stand as well. He said this is something that he's not going to tolerate and something that have to get cleaned up going forward. And also, one thing that was mentioned in this that you didn't talk about was the offsides penalties by Joey Bosa. I mean, this is 3 in the last 2 games. I mean, I know you you, you know you're a pass rusher, he's going to be aggressive. He's trying to, you know, jump the snap count And get after the quarterback as quickly as possible but you just can't do that I mean he did it on a third and three in a pivotal moment in the game and it gave them a first down it was you know it's just something that's happened way too often I know they're trying to adjust with not having fans in the stadiums and all that but both of these teams are being subjected to you know both to what's happening in the stadium so you can't use that as an excuse it's just something that has to get cleaned up but a lot of this stuff is correctable. They just have to do it. Moving, they have. They just have to go on into the film room and get it corrected.
0: Yeah, the Bosa are offsides play, even though they ended up taking the Panthers off the field after that. It's still a series of the Panthers' offense that took up a good amount of clock that the Chargers probably could have used when they had to go 99 yards at the end of the game. But his next observation on here is that Justin Herbert will be a star. He says that after this game, he's more convinced than ever that Justin Herbert will be a franchise quarterback in this league, even knowing that he probably should have had two interceptions in this game, and both of them were really bad. Troy Boston probably dropped a pick six, but... I think a lot of people are really feeling this way, David. I mean, especially with what he was able to do on third down, what he was able to do under pressure. I mean, the Panthers were getting after him for a team that hadn't really caused a lot of pressures going into this game. I mean, Justin Herbert was under pressure a ton, and he still seemed to be poised in the pocket. He also talks about in this about his pocket movement and talks about how he's been so impressed with it. But when you're seeing the things he's seeing, I mean, It's one thing to be a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, but the bad has just really been spotlighted because the Chargers have really given up points because of the bad. But at the same time, I mean, it's really easy to take that away from all of the really, really good things he does on a play-to-play basis. These reads he's making, these throws he's making, I mean, there's been so, so much good even to go with the really bad.
1: Well, yeah, and Anthony Lynn said that Justin Herbert actually checked out of a bad play and put themselves in a better play. And you know got a good really good result out of it, and he saw that, and he said that was a moment where he saw some real growth from Justin Herbert. You know saying he's getting into this offense, he's feeling more comfortable every single day, and that's stuff that you love to hear about, but yeah, I thought justin herbert was was phenomenal, I mean, yeah, you're gonna make the mistakes, but some of those throws and one of the things he mentions is the movement in the pocket. I really loved how he was able to extend plays he you know was able to hold the ball and then throw it, he was also to move up, he was also slide in he was feeling pressure really well. I thought Justin Herbert did everything he could to put this team in position to win, and you want to see him continue to play going forward. I know he said that you could see Tyra Taylor back in there, and he would understand why, but I just don't get it. I think he is getting better each and every time he's out there on the football field, and I just want to see that continue.
0: Yeah, I guess for me, I think the number one way to get experience is just to be out there and get it. I mean, obviously, if the offensive line continues this downward trajectory after looking better than they had in a long time, the first couple of weeks. I mean, it's something that, are you taking him out of there for his safety or so you can put Tyra Taylor back in there? But he does say he still sees the logic in sticking with Taylor. For me, I think that this year is kind of a year where you're just trying to figure out what you have in Justin Herbert at this point. I mean, for the storylines going for this team, I think that's really at the top of the list. And I think you just want to see what this kid looks like over his first season, knowing how many quarterbacks have come into the league and really, really struggled their first season. I mean, Peyton Manning won in 15. I mean, some of the greats had a really tough time. And so far, Justin Herbert really hasn't been making it look that difficult. He's outperformed almost every expectation that we've had for him. But getting into the next observation, number four, is the Chargers' fourth quarter time management was subpar, and this is something that really stood out at the end of the game, including the drive before the last drive when the Chargers had timeouts. The Chargers drove all the way down to get a touchdown that they needed, but the drive took six minutes and 25 seconds. Popper notes that there was a real lack of urgency and also notes that the Chargers averaged just over 24 seconds per play on that drive, and according to Sharp Football Stats team and Teams in similar situations in 2019, trailing by more than 10 points in the fourth quarter, averaged 20.6. And obviously, David, there was a lot with just the checkdowns at the end of the fourth quarter where it's probably better to just throw an incomplete pass than take four yards and to keep the clock moving. That drive before that definitely had a lack of urgency and really long drives are good for the most part, but they're a lot better when you have a lead and not when you're trying to come back from a two score deficit.
1: Yeah, the, the sense of urgency thing is definitely something I noticed that they didn't really have. It just didn't seem like they were playing that fast. I mean, hey, anytime you see a 16-play, 75-play drive with a touchdown at the end of it, you're pretty happy. But given the circumstance, they definitely needed to get to the line quicker and get the ball down the field faster. One thing I didn't understand, Daniel, and, and I'm going to pose this question to you. Why in the hell... Did Anthony Lynn not take that timeout before the two-minute warning? It just seemed like a really good opportunity to do that, to, hey, maybe give yourself an extra timeout. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how did you feel about that?
0: I mean, there's certain ways I understand it. I wouldn't have hated it if he did it. I don't think it's as important. I mean, maybe they don't get that last play in before – It hits the two-minute warning, as Popper is saying here. I mean, I think there was a few more seconds that were kind of up for grabs, and that's assuming that as soon as the guy goes down, the Chargers get the timeout without another second running off the clock. But what it does do there is, okay, say if they potentially throw that ball when Joey Bosa gets the sack, and then it's an incomplete pass as well, right? I mean, something like that where now you save a timeout that you could have had at the end of the game because they tried to go for a first down and stop the clock on their own now that you have one more in your pocket, The way it ended up working out, I definitely think it leans in the favor of you would have had a few more extra seconds had you used it to begin with. And obviously, you know, all those become uber important when you don't have any timeouts left at the end of the game. So that wasn't the biggest issue I had with Anthony Lynn in that game. There was some other coaching stuff. That we'll get into, but the last observation on here has to do with the offensive line, and and what it says is that the offensive line did not handle the Panthers' pressure well. The numbers he uses on here is that the Panthers going into the game had only three pressures in their first two games, and then in this game on Sunday, they finished with eight quarterback hits, two sacks, and the pressure played a big part in the game, and it was definitely a much different than we saw from the Kansas City Chiefs, even with some of the injuries they had there. They held up very well, but... Brian Burns is a very good pass rusher just because they didn't really get anything going the first couple of weeks. I mean, he was taking Trey Pipkins to school for sure. Brian Groy, I think had six pressures he allowed in this game. And David, we know that the offensive line injuries have been an early storyline. And I think they're really catching up to the Chargers offensive line who looked really good the first couple of weeks. And we were praising James Campen, but With the guys out there, that looked a lot more like the 2019 version of Trey Pipkins, the 2019 version of Dan Feeney. I mean, it was just a really rough day for
1: those guys. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do on the offensive line with the type of things that are happening. I mean, they have so many injuries. They have St. Louis that was playing for Trey Turner, and then Groy that came in for St. Louis who got hurt, and then Pipkins who was playing for Bulaga. I mean, it's really hard to get that continuity and that chemistry and that communication down on the offensive line for these guys to get comfortable and really play well together. It's just, it's really hard to play football this way. I mean, Anthony Lynn said is probably going to be something like this all year long. So it's really going to be interesting to see how these guys are going to be able to mature and gel, and see how they're going to be able to play with all these moving parts.
0: Yeah, and I thought, I mean, given the pressure that he was under, I thought Justin Herbert handled that pressure pretty well on Sunday's game. But we do have one more segment to get into because we want to hear some of your guys' reactions to this game's in the fan voicemails. But first I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet and I'm talking about a Built Bar. If you guys haven't heard it from us and tried the Met you absolutely have to because the new Built Bar comes in 18 amazing flavors that include caramel brownie, cookies and cream as well as German chocolate and coconut almond and all the bars are 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight you can do that while indulging in a delicious treat and right now we have a special offer for our listeners you guys can get a free cooler with your purchase from builtbar.com while supplies last all you have to do is go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your next order with promo code locked on for ten dollars off your next order at builtbar.com all right well it's time to get into the final segment of the show today and I really want to thank you guys for the interaction we've gotten from you on the Locked On voicemails. If you guys are new to the show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we tried to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But it's been tough because you guys have been sending in a ton of voicemails. And we have some reactions to the last game on today's show that I want to get into. And we'll start with Joe from Jersey, who has another post-game reaction from Sunday's game against the Panthers.
2: Hey guys, Joe from Jersey with a a post game uh, reaction. Uh, I thought I'd give you guys a call again. Um you're you're locked on it's been great the last Well, it's been great since I found your show. So I'll keep up with the good work. Um I thought today's game uh right after the game defended. I thought today's game the way we lost is the only way we could have lost is is penalties and turnovers and that's the only way we lose to this Panthers team which is just I don't feel like very a very talented squad. I feel like a you know, a big huge letdown. Compared to last week, where we almost beat the Super Bowl champs, and we go to lose to a, one of the, I think one of the worst teams in the in the game. Um, the turnovers in, in the first half just absolutely killed us. I think Carolina ran the ball really well in the first half and drained clock. I think throughout the whole game, uh, our defense played well and held them to field goals, which was good. Uh, until of course we line up over center and then they get a touchdown. Um, but we do that, but we don't get turnovers. The, the Chargers do not do not turn over the ball. And uh felt like they Carolina got a lot of third downs converted and we can never ever get the ball back. Um not good. Um I felt like you know hopes get up and you think okay the Chargers are gonna maybe turn it around a little bit and then you know Herbert gets hurt or there's a penalty here or whatever there. So um kind of a letdown. Uh Herbert played well, you know, he did some rookie things which you typically are gonna expect but you know, you can't argue with a 300-plus passing game. You can't argue with a lot of the stuff that he did. Um, you know, he did throw a pick, but, you know, that's the rookie pick that you're going to be dealing with his first year in the, in the game. But one and two, uh hoping for a bounce back next week. I, I was kind of let down after a really good game with the Chiefs and then this with the Panthers. What are your thoughts? Thanks, guys. Both up.
0: Yeah, well, Joe, I think the only thing I would say is that it seemed like the Panthers were getting a lot of third-down conversions, but they really weren't. I mean, you held them to 25%. On their third down conversions, three out of 12. So, I mean, you'll take that pretty much any game, but they did do a really good job on first and second down of picking up those first downs to change the field position and really get into dangerous territories with the Chargers defense. And then the Chargers defense ended up holding on, holding them to field goals. But I think we're all hoping for a bounce back game next week. And I know that it's hard to argue with what Justin Herbert's done so far, but I think you're right about the Chargers doing basically everything they could to lose this game because. David, even with every single bad thing that happened, and we know there was a lot of bad things. I mean, the only way they could have lost this game is by turning the ball over three times, even though it was really four times at the end of the game. didn't really count. I don't really count that one, but the only way the Chargers were going to lose this game is if they came out sloppy, they had penalties, they had turnovers, and even with all those things, it ends up one play away from you actually getting the win in this one. So it really did take all of those bad things to keep the Chargers from winning this game.
1: Yeah, it did. I mean, the Chargers definitely killed themselves in this fo- football game over and over with the mistakes. They were just so sloppy in that first half. All the turnovers they gave up. I mean, the defense did as much as they could, but the short fields, I mean, the turnovers gave the Panthers a lot of short fields, and you know that's the reason why it felt like they were so successful on third down. They really weren't. They just didn't have to go very far to get to put themselves in position to score. So that was one thing that was just terrible in this game and and yeah you have to hope for a bounce back but it's not going to be easy going up against the bucks who seem like they're starting to gel and look pretty good but with justin herbert i think you just want to see them, him carry his momentum going forward and continue to grow as he continues to get playing time
0: yeah and i think that joe brady and the carolina panthers did a really good job of on the early downs when they got the chargers in their base defense of really exposing that with mismatches with their wide receivers that's where they did a lot of their damage but they really didn't put up a lot of yards offensively mostly because of that field position but let's get into the next caller who has a gripe with the nfl's officials from this game i think we can all relate to josh from wisconsin here
3: hey guys this is uh, josh from wisconsin so game just ended a few minutes ago and yeah, i gotta be honest i'm pissed we did not play well we didn't play horrible but we did not play well. Our offensive line was a turnstile. Defense did as best as they could, given the three turnovers, which were also bullshit. Well, not the pick, and that one fumble wasn't bad. But the first fumble was complete crap, and um, that OPI on Mike Williams was complete crap. And the play calling was deep, was not good, but not horrible. Um, And obviously, we came down to the last play, so not like a blowout or anything, but still heartbreaking. So I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about that that OPI on Mike and that first fumble. Um that first fumble with Herbert. And overall what you guys thought of the game, obviously. Um thanks, both up.
0: Josh, I would agree with you that, I mean, there was times when the Chargers defense looked soft, but I do think that, I mean, one of six holding the Panthers to that in the red zone and the other one coming from a play where you would have gotten off the field again, I mean, it's hard to totally blame them for that, giving up three points in the second half to really keep this team in the game, but to what you're talking about with the turnovers, I mean, the turnover and the offensive PI, so David, I'm pretty sure we're on the same page here, but... The Mike Williams one, I mean, an absolutely horrible call. Like, even in very slow motion, it was hard to tell what they were calling. But, I mean, one of the softest offensive P.I. calls that I've seen. Mike Williams had his arm semi-extended, but there was really no push. The defender, after the cut, ends up falling over himself. And then, for the Justin Herbert play, I mean, the officials are taught to kind of let the play play out. I mean, it's better to have it be a fumble where they can go and review it. Than to call an incomplete pass because then a coach would have to use a challenge because of it, because it's not a turnover or a scoring play. So I understand the rest letting it play out, but to me, the arm was going forward. It kind of reminds me of like a goaltending call in basketball. Like you can clearly see when the ball starts going down, I could clearly see his arm going forward. And that's, you know, kind of what I thought was what propelled the ball going
1: forward, even after he had lost possession on the way forward. Yeah, first of all, the OPI call was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you want to see offensive pass interference, I mean, look at the two-point play Mike Williams had against the Chiefs a couple years ago. That was OPI that was not called. He definitely pushed off, no question about it. But in this play right here, he barely even touched the defender. I can't believe they called that offensive pass interference. I mean, that was an absolutely ridiculous call. And I tend to agree with you, Daniel, on the, the Justin Herbert fumble. The, the arm was going forward. I mean, I don't know how they could have seen that ball go where it went with, without seeing that Justin Her- Herbert's arm was going forward. I mean, just really bad call. Really bad officiating overall in this game. But, hey, that's why you can't leave it in the hands of the refs. I mean, you just can't.
0: It's tough for Justin Herbert to go in there and have it be you know two turnovers next to his name but the thing is if you're going to have the replay i know it's nitpicking to see did he hit it on the way forward but if you're going to slow it down that much i mean how can you not tell that even if it's an inch going forward that the arm is going forward before he loses possession of the ball i thought it was a really bad call and obviously the chargers hurt themselves with penalties but the officiating did not help them in this game at all. It was the first time I think this season that we've really, really complained about the officials. We try not to do that. But in this game, it was just awful. I mean, there's just no way to talk about this game without bringing up those plays specifically because the offense PI turns into Justin Herbert's terrible pick. So obviously things might have gone differently had they not called that one back. But we have another call, and this one is from Curtis of Loki, who wants to give his thoughts after the latest loss to the Panthers.
3: Hey, guys, Curtis Loki.
0: Um, Man, I was tough loss. Uh kind of it kind of felt like you know
3: a, a last a last year's version of the Chargers temporarily there, um, just with all the turnovers and the pressure and but ultimately you know hey we do have a rookie quarterback and unfortunately the offense offensive game plan for him this week was you know trying to prevent him throwing balls downfield and taking advantage of the checkdowns so that, although that was real redundant I thought Herbert did pretty well um, obviously the turnovers man he has a slow release sometimes man gosh, that was that was a bummer to watch. You could just see the sack fumble coming. But other than that, man, it's nice to see Keenan Allen showing up, you know, as much as he could for him. Eckler balling out. And uh, you know, we saw a lot of good things. Um but unfortunately couldn't get it done. Um but yeah, I just wanted to to chime in a bit on the game and man, Kai's your wife's looking good by the way as well. Um haven't really seen too much out of Kenneth Murray though, man. it's I, it's early on, but geez, man, in the times I have noticed him, he's kind of been out of position a bit. Um, but yeah, good game overall. And, uh, but unfortunately we just couldn't get the game finished. Um, and we got to capitalize in the red zone. So just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the game. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people calling in. Have you guys noticed all the people nowadays talking about, oh, um, we should just roll with Tyrod Taylor now out of, uh, now people are jumping back and forth. It's so annoying, man. Chargers fans, get it together. Anyway, don't mean to go on and on. Talk to you guys later. Go Bulls.
0: So I will say that I there was definitely a handful of people out there that were on the, you know, this is why Tyrod Taylor should be out there trained, but I definitely thought it was an overwhelming support for Justin Herbert, still even given the mistakes that he made in this game, but I think that Kenneth Murray has actually played pretty nicely. I mean, he's definitely had some times where he's overrun some gaps, but then he also has times that The Chargers ended up kind of screwing him over in this game where he gets a really nice tackle on a third and two against Curtis Samuel. I mean, just gets a play behind the line of scrimmage and absolutely flies from the middle to the sideline to make the play and cause a, a field goal that ends up getting you know turned into a touchdown because of the penalty. But I thought Kenneth Murray, I mean, I've always said that it's really tough for middle linebackers to come into this league, whether you're looking at Devin White or Devin Bush or Roquan Smith, a lot of those guys really struggled early on. So I knew there was going to be a learning curve, David. But getting back to your point about the Herbert playing pretty good in this game and the game plan being a lot of check downs, I definitely think until the Chargers had to in the second half after the pick, they were definitely you know holding their cards a little bit close to the vest. You could tell they were a little gun-shy to push it down the field. It's hard to know if that's you know Justin Herbert or the coaching staff. But when you're on third and 20 and you run a bubble screen on third and 20, third and goal from the 20, I mean, it's hard to say that, you know, you fully trust your quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that play right there is a clear illustration of the coaching staff not wanting to put Justin Herbert in a position to throw another interception, but also you're taking, you know, the ball out of his hands, you know, and not giving him the opportunity to go make a score. I And giving
0: up on four points, basically.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, why? Why do you do that? I mean, just – Try to go for it. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't. Yeah, you could throw a turnover or you could throw a pick, but he also could throw a touchdown pass too. I mean, Justin Herbert has threaded some balls and some and put some balls in some really great places for his receivers to make plays on. And I mean, he's made Jalen Guyton look pretty decent in the first couple of games, which how could you not? you know, admit that. And, hey, you know, credit for to Jalen Guyton for putting himself in a good position and getting a good rapport with Justin Herbert. But with other quarterbacks, Jalen Guyton wasn't getting any, any leverage or any play whatsoever. So I think Justin Herbert's done a good job of spreading the football around and, you know, really distributing it to his playmakers as well. A great game by Keenan Allen, but that doesn't happen if Justin Herbert isn't under center.
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both because I doubt the coaching staff wanted him to check down at the end of that fourth quarter when they're trying to go on that game-winning drive. I think they probably would have liked it a little bit more if there was just more incomplete passes. But I definitely think that the coaching staff up until that point was really putting him on a leash. I mean, you saw what he did on third and 14 trying to get it – On third and goal from the 14-yard line, finding Keenan Allen, it was a third and goal from a long distance when he found Jalen Guyton for his first touchdown pass, so he's a guy that can really turn those bad situations, because of those offensive line penalties and whatnot, into a, a touchdown, which is pretty impressive, and the Chargers weren't going to roll the dice there, they were really just willing to get the field goal, and that ended up costing them later on, when if you get seven points right there, you're only kicking a field goal to win the game at the end, but... That is going to wrap things up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow, potentially getting into some more voicemails. So, if you want to get on the show, the number is 323 524 7924. And you can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On LAC and, and like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Spotify or or Apple Music, or Google Podcast. that's the fastest and best way to get every show, and make sure to rate and review, we'd really appreciate it, but we'll be back with you guys more tomorrow for more Chargers Talk, until then, take it easy, and go Bolts!